Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and of course, hello to all of my listeners. My unlucky lounge rats, it's good to have you back here for a brand new episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, denizen of this, the unlucky lounge, and joining me as always is the 2-2 Ursine that is always there for you on turn two. Yes, you can be impressed by my Latin skills. His name is Borak. My bear friend, we're about to do something that we have not done for probably at least a year. <laughs> That's right, put on your Sherlock Holmes caps, polish up your magnifying glasses. It's time for us to dig into some blog atog secrets from the man himself, Mr. Mark Rosewater. But before we get to those secrets and hopefully unfurling some of them, let's do a little bit of housekeeping and upkeeping. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, BLEAV.com or wherever you download your audio goodness. Keep your midday blues away with Believe. And this show is here because of all of you, my listeners. Thank you for tuning in. And if this is your first show, hello. We'd love for you to join us in the social sphere. Find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch. Draft and Draft Corey. You can find my Instagram, Corey Damone Enriquez. And please believe, with our coming set, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, there will be a lot more content out there in the areas of social media. So now is as good a time as any to find us out there. And if this show is giving you some joy, you want to help support a starving artist such as myself, Find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft. Help us keep the lights on here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, that is all the upkeeping. The Sorcerer's Broom is put back into the Conjurer's Closet. It's time for us to get to the matter at hand. Because my bear friend Borak, something happens right before a set. A certain document is posted on a blog. You know it, my bear buddy, the man who was the auspice for the first episode of this podcast, Mr. Mark Rosewater, came out with his spoiler list. It's a series of random statements, some of which are not fully completed, all of which are hinting at us for things that we might see in the next set. That next set, of course, being Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And here in the Unlucky Lounge, we have ourselves a tradition. When we see this blogatog post, it's time for us to do that fun time thing and wildly speculate on some of these mildly disconnected statements. It's time for us to channel the spirit of detectives like Dick Tracy, Sherlock Holmes, Constable Odo, and even Eddie Valiant and see if we can find some solutions to these mysterious mysteries. Um, Corey, isn't mysterious mysteries kind of, uh, redundant, mm, Turtle? Oh, I know what I said, Mr. Turtle, but it's gonna get so serial up in here that it's gonna get Cocoa Puffs. My lucky lounge rats, it's time for us to crack the case on some blog-a-tog speculation secrets 
for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. There's a certain time of the year where speculation starts to run rampant. Spoilers fall from left and right, and the new set is on the horizon. It's spoiler season. Some might call it Christmas, but here in the Unlucky Lounge, we call it mystery time. Because we need to crack the case, because if anything is true about the content creation sphere out there, is that those who are out first are those who get the most downloads and views. You got that right, Borak. I went meta on the algorithm, but I'm not afraid to reveal the truth behind the lies. And today, we're gonna try to reveal the truth behind some of the teasers that the man, Mr. Mark Rosewater, posted on his blog at Tog. If you wanna see these teasers yourself, check in the notes in the show description below to see exactly what he posted. But here on the podcast today, we're gonna try to look at our five most juicy bits of spoiling that came across the desk here in the Unlucky Lounge. And here's the truth of the matter. This set holds a lot of weight to it. For those who've been planeswalking around for a while, just like yours truly, Kamigawa means a lot to us. It's one of the biggest top-down design sets. What does that mean, dear listeners? That means that Magic took an idea like, for example, in Kamigawa, an eastern theme set with a lot of Japanese lore around it, and designed the set from that concept down to its core, using the themes to influence the kinds of cards that were going to be out there. Kamigawa did just that, and did it in glorious fashion. Not since days of Arabian Nights, Magic's first expansion set did something like this come to the players of the game out there? So the stakes right now are high, not only from a nostalgic point of view, but also from a legacy point of view. Top-down sets are so important to the tapestry of magic here today. We just came off the heels of two different horror sets in Innistrad Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow. They did good. For themselves, all things considered. The limited set's play being wildly drastic, but also refreshing in its own way. But can Kamigawa reach the same heights in limited playability? Can we ascertain the things we might be able to see based on this blog or tog post? Well, that's what we're here to figure out here today. And the truth of the matter is, Kamigawa here in these mysterious episodes means a lot to me not too long ago for the spoiler season up to m21 borak and i predicted that shrines were gonna come back in a fury in that course set and guess what we were right <laughs> you got that right my bad gum shoe um cory wouldn't you say that that prediction was relatively easy to make Turtle. Sometimes, Mr. Turtle, it's not about how difficult a prediction is. 
but just putting a flag in the ground and saying, this is what I do. Borak, I have no idea what he's trying to say right now. Why is he randomly looking off in the distance at the corner of the ceiling? He looks like JD from Scrubs. Okay, guess we'll just play along. Hey, what are the two of you on about? You got lost in thought over there thinking about these mysteries. Oh, what's going on? Oh, nothing. We were just saying how excited we were for your predictions. Turtle. Hey, the only sus happening here are the suspect statements given to us from Mars Blog Talk Post, which here today we're going to give you our top five predictions we think are going to show up in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. The first teaser we're going to try and trip up reads as follows. Two popular cycles from Champions of Kamigawa Block return each with a new twist. Now if you, like me, are on top of all the back alley dealings, the random fuzzy photos of people claiming they've got spoilers, or even the random eBay postings that tend to be out there, you'll know that it's already been all but confirmed that the five dragons have returned. But the classic ones, like Ryusei, Yosei, Kokushu, the dragons are different, but still there tends to be some kind of guardian colored dragon that exists here in the plane of Kamigawa. Maybe it's just a fabric of the plane that has to be a guardian of some kind. But what's that twist? Well, according to these back alley dealings, it looks like these dragons are going to be fortified with an additional dies trigger option. The original dragons all quite notable for when they died they did something but now these new dragons die and have two different options that the controller can utilize i believe that this is one of the two cycles but what about the other one kamigawa if you look back at it was revolutionary in that they looked at a card growing over time it's a trope as old as time how do these cards change based off of certain conditions well they tried first with flip cards things that when you fulfill the certain requirement when these creatures went through a journey they gained immense power and became a brand new card and to do that you turn it from one side to the other but Kamigawa came out way before transform technology existed so wouldn't you think that maybe when they went back to Kamigawa they would try to find a new elegant fix for the somewhat muddled and confusing layout that flip cards were don't get me wrong my unlucky lounge rats I do love a good bushy tenderfoot but imagine that same idea of a creature on one side going through a journey gaining power and transforming into a different creature but now with transform technology and quite frankly if you ask me the proliferation of two different card faces having a card that seems mechanically connected it's no longer just drawn to a plane but rather this is becoming an evergreen mechanic look at Zendikar Rising, look at Strixhaven and the two Innistrad sets that we just had. 
We're not losing Transform anytime soon, my fellow gumshoes. It's gonna be here to say, and to me, it's only a matter of time before that becomes an evergreen mechanic. And why not take this classic flip card that's quite resonant to Transform and bring it to a new era in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Prediction number two comes from an inauspicious bit of rules text that Morrow says is going to appear on a card. That text, quote, You may cast target enchantment card from your graveyard this turn. Now there's a couple things to piece apart from this statement. And also, some things to look in recent history to. So first off, if we look at the already spoiled, fuzzy, photoed cards, it looks like Enchantments Mattering is gonna be a real team here in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Now that totally can track for the way that the set existed prior, especially with such cards like the Shrines giving the whole plane a certain enchantment identity. Now from there, well, it's going to be mixing modern with contemporary. Which is why we've already seen that vehicles are going to appear in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So this might in itself, considering that there's going to be a certain dichotomy between the past and the present, is going to be at hand here in Kamigawa. So it might stand to reason that enchantments act as the classic lens that Kamigawa is looking through. So wouldn't you maybe put one and one together and take a wild guess that maybe enchantments mattering being a classic theme of this plane might in itself have some kind of mechanical identity. Maybe this is actually a keyword mechanic. Maybe enchantments being cast from your graveyard for the current turn is associated with a certain color combination. And looking at what we have now to what we've had in the past, perhaps some kind of Naya color base could be at play here, particularly with green and white being very heavy in creature enchantment buffing, and red being in temporary acquisition of value. This statement at its end does say this time. And what's more red than getting value in a short-term gain? Look at all the impulsive card draw. What if we have something in the realm that's similar to the mechanic escape from Theros Beyond Death, and now it's escaping with enchantments. And quite frankly, enchantments seem to be what they're building a future standard archetype around. Look at Disturb from Crimson Vow. So if we know that there's gonna be an enchantment team in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, we know that enchantments have existed already in the contemporary standard in a very relevant mechanic. Why would we not maybe at least think about this little bit of rules text not just being on a single card, but rather 
It is the identity for the past of Kamigawa. It's the identity of tradition versus technology in the neon side of the dynasty. Would this mechanic be too complicated, too powerful? I say nay. Look at all the pseudo-flashback mechanics that have been appearing in recent history. They haven't been too powerful, they've been well-balanced. You think it's too complicated compared to Mutate. That mechanic is harder to understand than trying to program your VCR with the right time. No, this seems like it's in the realm of possibilities. And maybe it's in the realm of Kamigawa. And maybe the Naya colors stand for this world of classic lineage, while the Esper side of things are contemporary technology. I think that would be an elegant way of the design team articulating the difference between two, these two different worlds and showing it, not just in the way that the cards are printed, but the way that the color identities are mechanically themed. Case number three from Morrow's blog of dog post, the statement goes as follows. Two different pairing of creature types get tribally connected. Now that's going to connect us with another statement. That's right. It's a two-for-one mystery. You only get that kind of value at a Costco. The other statement, one of Tamio's children gets a legendary creature card. Let's break it down point by point. First, what kind of tribal creatures does the plaintiff Kamigawa become known for? Well, I think one thing has to be Moonfolk. The Planeswalker Tamio, she's a Moonfolk from Kamigawa. So clearly, there's something going on with the Moonfolk. What happened to him? Well, if we're gonna link it with another prevalent creature type, I might go as far to say that spirits could be connected with the Moonfolk. Why spirits? Look at Innistrad. There were multiple spirit archetypes that were going on in those two different sets. Spirits very well known in the original Kamigawan block. Whether it's just individual cards or even the mechanic soul shift. And we haven't seen nor heard of Moonfolk for quite some time. Now one thing we know about the original Kamigawa block is that it is set very clearly in Magic's contemporary past. So that means whatever happened in the original set, it happened centuries ago. And here in Neon Dynasty, we're caught up. We're talking the same timelines as Innistrad, as Dominaria, as Magic as we know it. This is post-War of the Spark time, people, and we've barely seen any Moonfolk. It's no coincidence to me that maybe Moonfolk have now become part of the spiritual plane of Kamigawa. Tragic, yes, I know. But with all of these different creature types being linked, according to this statement, two different pairings of creature types get tribally connected, it would make sense to maybe combine the spirit side of things with the Moonfolk side of things. This would allow both fans of these somewhat unattended creature types to get more boon in their commanded decks and the casual decks, heck, maybe even constructed decks like standard. We already talked about Disturb before. Do I need to talk about it again? There's something here. And you gotta believe 
There's gonna be some connection to Moonfolk when we go to Kamigawa this time around. Would it not be really cool to imagine that maybe the spiritual plane, when combined with the semi-ethereal and almost unimaginable creature types that are Moonfolk, that they were able to provide the kind of essence that allowed Kamigawa to become so neon. It would ascend the Moonfolk creature type. It would connect it mechanically with the spirit creature type, which has gotten nothing but support in recent history. I could see it. So very clearly coming together. Is my head in the clouds like spirits soar above us? Could be. Or maybe this crackpot right here is onto something big. Prediction number four looks hey, at... Corey, can I try a prediction? Mm, turtle, look at you, Mr. Turtle. You look going to be some kind of rookie private eye. All right. Take your shot. Okay. I saw a statement that said, The first activated ability of an artifact you activate each turn costs two less to activate. Mm, turtle. All right, Mr. Turtle. That's a pretty good clue to pick up on. So tell me, what does your sleuthing skills say? What do you think this is alluding to? Oh, well, the last time we were on Kamigawa, there were some pretty iconic creature types that we've never seen before, like samurai and ninjas. An activated ability of artifacts, if we were to think what kind of card type supports these unique creature types. Perhaps we could connect all of them together with the equipment subtype. Mm, turtle. Okay, Mr. Turtle, you're onto something there, particularly because the genesis of equipment righted very close off the coattails of the original Kamigawa block. We first saw them in the original Mirrodin set with big bops like skull clamp and cranial plating and Kamigawa picked up this equipment type very quickly. That's right. You don't often see these kinds of cards coming out so quick to each other's release, but the designers really loved equipment. And so Kamigawa got a series of pretty big and bold equipment. And I would love to see what kind of equipment exists in this timeline of Kamigawa. Look at you, Mr. Turtle. Coming together with a pretty good summation. You used past evidence. You looked at the context of the clue. You found evidence from previous sets. I'm proud of you, Paisano. Look at you coming out of your shell. I can see a hint of a detective showing over there. What got you to think about equipment after all, you being such a control Ooh. player? Well, Kamikawa's very well known for pretty good utility equipment. I mean, look at Umazawa Shite. That's not really an aggressive card, that's just a good card. Mm, turtle. You go straight to Umazawa Shite, Mr. Turtle. Really? I mean, we have to mention the elephant in the room at some point. Right, Cory? Mm, turtle? Yeah, you make a point. I mean, if we have vehicles, 
I would love to see how these weapons have changed over time. A great way of telling the story of the plane without slamming it over our heads in stories. You know, Mr. Turtle, despite your slow playing and affinity for control, I think there might be a detective in you yet. Someone give this dude a clue token. That prediction wasn't half bad. Oh, I'm not bad. I'm just shelled that way. Turtle. Mr. Turtle, you didn't just make a Who Framed Roger Rabbit dad joke pun, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I take back all my compliments immediately. Our final prediction for this, the blogger talk speculation for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. The statement from Morrow reads as follows. The finishing of a five-card cycle many years in the making. Now my unlucky lounge rats, you're gonna have to forgive me because I'm gonna step just slightly away from limited as a whole and go to this cycle. When I think back to Kamigawa and cards that made such an explosive impact on multiple formats, I can't go without talking about Gifts Ungiven. This is an instant spell. Three and a blue. You set your library for up to four cards with different names reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards. Those cards are put into your graveyard. The rest in your hand. Then you shuffle your library. This card made a huge splash. Especially with the way that the rules interaction on this card goes. You can search up to four cards. That means you could choose just two. And your opponent is forced to put those two into the graveyard. This can set you up for some pretty big combo plays. In fact, if you look online, you might see how that exact play made a huge difference in a Magic Pro Tour. Then a few years later, in Rise of the Eldrazi, another card suspiciously came out that looked a lot like Gifts Ungiven. It's called Realms Uncharted. Doing a green instant, you set your library, for four land cards with different names, reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards, put the chosen cards in your graveyard, and the rest into your hand. Then you shuffle your library. The cards read very similar. And to me, it's undeniable. I mean, if you look at the art, Gifts Ungiven as a moonfolk, whose head is gently resting, looking semi-bored. The elf in Realms Uncharted has particularly the same body posturing, both of which have their left hand ever so gently reaching out to something random. This, to me, is a cycle. Now, I talked about Realms Uncharted before with Zendikar Rising. I thought maybe the land thing might have brought this back. But why not complete the cycle where it all started? In Kamigawa, you could print this whole something uncycled. Put all five of the cards in there. What if we take it a step further? We got this five rare cycle, all of which being instant. And we go back to an older mechanic that end up being one of the most parasitic, or in other words, a mechanic that only really worked with itself, and that 
was the splice on the arcane mechanic. It came out and was never seen again until we got to the modern Horizon sets when they retooled it and made it splice into instant and sorceries. To me, it worked out really well. Look at Splice's skill. Three and a white, you make a 3-3 three, three golem. You can splice it onto an instant or sorcery, i.e. when you're casting an instant or sorcery, you can cast this card for a different cost, but only while that other spell is on the stack. Splicing is so synonymous with Kamigawa. I would love to see it come back in the form that they showed it in the Modern Horizon sets. And what better cycle of spells might be able to put together some cool interactions, not just in Standard, but quite frankly also in Limited. Maybe on a less frequent basis because it would be rare, but we could see perhaps the splice into instants and sorceries being connected with this rare instant speed cycle where your opponent chooses cards amongst those that you've chosen during your search. I would love to see this. It brings it back to where it all came from. Some might call it a shaggy dog story where at the end of the story everything ended up being the same. But maybe now we go back and we complete the cycle. We let the circle become unbroken. And just as suddenly as it came, the silly accent goes as our five predictions for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty are on the books. But I want to know what you think. Do any of these hold water? Do you think we could see the something uncycle come into play here in Kamigawa? Will Splice return? Will we see Moonfolk and Spirits combined together? Is there some kind of enchantment mechanic in the works? I want to know what you think. So find me on socials, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok, Draft and Draft Corey. We're going to make a post to promote this podcast. Feel free to post your thoughts below. Of course, find my Instagram, Corey Demone Enriquez. And if this show is giving you some joy, find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft. And if you have just two minutes, we would really love for you to rate and review this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just that second to give us a rating, a comment, it really would mean the world to Borok, Mr. Turtle, and I, and help us spread the word of draft and draft. Well, friends, I've found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok. And this has been Draft and Draft. Enjoy the Kamigawa spoiler season and make some magical memories of your own. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.